All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite Casual Hoya podcast. I'm Bobby Bancroft. We have the return of Casual Hoya, Andrew Geiger's here, and Ben Standing from The Athletic for a special matinee edition of the pod. I guess that means we're all somewhat sober, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, like I was telling you guys before, this is a, this is a great matinee edition of the pod i can watch tiger in the feature group on espn plus on my computer down here in new orleans i've got the pelicans versus the kings coming up in nba restart bubble action um so yeah good times is uh is hollis thompson still on the uh, pelicans <laughs> no he's in the um, right now. it's a you, joke you know, it's funny the, a joke guys. The, uh, well yeah but it's funny, it's funny you say that because the, the hornets slash pelicans have have been um, friendly ground for former Hoyas. Uh, I, I think Patrick. I, I think I saw Patrick Ewing Jr. score his first career NBA points. Um, maybe that's not. Maybe Henry. Maybe it was Henry Sims. Anyway, Ewing Jr., Henry Sims, um, Hollis Thompson have all been through the Hornets and Pelicans. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Uh, maybe. Wright had a summer league spot with them before he went to the Mavs. I forget. That, but, that's um, digging deep. I mean, really, well, to be honest, there hasn't been much recent, uh, <laughs> many recent NBA players uh, to come from Georgetown. And I'm trying to think who else would it have been. How many guys are in the league right now? Uh, Otto, Jeff Green. That's the list. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, it hasn't taken long to get super positive on today's matinee edition of Casual Hoya's podcast, Kente Corner. Um, But we are here together because The Athletic, Ben's employer, put out a pretty cool Georgetown fan survey for 2020. Ben, what is up with that? Um, Well, at a basic level, this was, you know, in in the world we're in right now where content is not easy to come by, uh, you know, there's certain staples being, you know, done across the across the sports the survey is a is a fun one to do you know somewhat i don't want to say easy but you know if you, you got to come up with good questions it should take some thought uh but yeah you know basically the opportunity to, to 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 get some content out there and in this case to get a sense of the people what do they think of the program i mean no matter how much i think i know or you know or, or andrew knows like you know you got to it's important to hear from from the masses who are actually consuming our info our, our content as well as watching the game so that's the gist of it. And then obviously from there, we'll get into the questions, but you know, some of it are, some of it's sort of broad topics about, you know, people's fandom, how they got into it, how often they, you know, what are they, you know, how, how passionate are they? And then some very specific things about Patrick Ewing and, and the state of the program. And, um, you know, I, I need, it goes without saying I'm, I'm interested in, in the state of the program and what, and what I think, but also what people think. So, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, hopefully it's, it's something fun, even if, you know, a lot of the questions are have a positive spin to them, but some of them obviously are, all right, well, here's the reality of where things are at, where, what's your take? So I think it's a good mix of, uh, you know, up positive and, uh, and uh, looking back and also, you know, concerning in the present and looking forward. And I'm sure you guys will tell me what questions we've uh, forgotten. Well, I mean, I think right off the top is, you know, what's your favorite episode of Kente Corner? I always, you know, that didn't make it somehow. It didn't. It was hard for me to to pick which of my, to, to narrow my, my uh, episodes down to just four. 
that was, I think, the problem. By the way, you, you are, Bobby, you're doing a great job with it. Um, you know, you've been pumping out so much content that it's tough for me to keep up because the episodes are like four hours long each. So um, <laughs> I, I, w- I will say that I've really enjoyed the uh, the Trotkin podcasts have been good. Um, you know, obviously to get rich on anything and, and to listen to his voice while we have no games is, is fantastic. The the Wright and Freeman uh, podcast was was great. Um, I love the you know the sadness and madness ones with 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 Howie and and John as well. And of course the the ones with uh, Nolan after recruits have have committed have have been good. So keep up the good work. It's it's tough for me to pick a best one, but um, <laughs> the, the, the fact that there's certainly so many to choose from is a great thing. Yes, definitely. Thanks for that. And I think we have like a whole year to come up with content with no games, but that's a different story. I would say an actual question would be, can you believe in 2020 that there are three Georgetown podcasts? Because basically, you know, there's those Instagram lives that Gene Smith and Trey Dickerson are doing, which are pretty cool. And then, you know, you've got Dog Talk with Freeman and Wright who came on with us. And then there's this one. So it's like, that's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, I love the I love the dog talk stuff. Um, I, my only question is that you know they they have a special guest on on each podcast. I'm wondering if they're going to be running out of guests before the season starts. Um, it, it it doesn't feel like they've have like a plan. It's just like well, okay, what can we do now? Um, you know, I mean, yeah, I don't. It doesn't. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, plus with like assuming Chris is going back overseas, it doesn't feel like this is a uh, right. definitively a long haul thing. It's like all right, well, let's get something together. What do we do? Uh, I mean, look, they had Markel Starks the other day. That guy's been, like, missing in action for me for years. Uh, so yeah. that was, I haven't listened to it yet, but that was interesting that they had him. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think what they're doing, you know, it sounded like when they came on here with Ben and I, it was basically they felt like McClung, you know, kind of hit a nerve or not even hit a nerve, but, like, said something that they felt resonated with them. So they are on a mission to kind of, you know, connect with, a lot of former players, a lot of former, you know, former teammates of theirs just to sort of like, see like, you know, what's up, how's it going? You know, what do you think needs to change at Georgetown? That kind of stuff. So it's definitely been pretty cool. And I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. And if you told me a couple of years ago that something like that would happen, I'd be like, that eh, sounds cool, but I doubt it. And, you know, I guess it took a pandemic for it to happen, but it's definitely been pretty, it's been, it's been great for, for uh, Georgetown content. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, compared to this time last year, where I guess I guess at this point last year we'd just be concluding tenor league, um, yeah. but it certainly it certainly is nice to have a lot of options um, to uh, get your fill of Georgetown hoops when there hasn't been any. So Ben, did you want to go over the survey? Yeah, let's do it. Sure, we can do that. I mean, I, I guess my thought was if we can go through some of the questions. I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll be the neutral observer here, and you guys can um, answer them. I, I, <clears throat> I I'll, I'll read some of them off. I don't know if we need to necessarily go through them all. But like for example, the first one is, how would you describe your Georgetown fandom? If you two aren't diehards, I don't know who is. So that's that's that. You know, even though one of them says I casually watch, especially big games, I, I don't think that actually uh, fits here with casual Hoya. Um, you know, one's like, how, you know, when did you become a Georgetown fan? How old are you? How many games did you watch? And, you know, again, I'm pretty sure you guys are locked in. So the first one, I guess that's sort of, uh, you know, I don't know what your answers would be is who will be Georgetown, Georgetown star in 2021. This was 
as we ponder this question, uh, and, and just to be uh, just to mention, uh, I did this survey with Eamon Brennan, one of our national college writers who's based here in D.C., does a fair amount of Georgetown games uh, as well, but he's also doing other teams. Uh, so, um, so this one you come to realize, you think about the team, you're like, wow. I have no, I don't, I mean, when, I don't know when the last time we went into a season in which I really have no idea who the best player is. Uh, Bobby, I'm sure has will, will tell me, but the, 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 the names we came up with, obviously, Jamarco Pickett, Javon Blair, Jamari Sibley, so one of the incoming guys, and Cletus Wahab. You could tell me any of them, and I would probably believe it. I, Bobby, when's the last time we had a situation like this where we had no idea who the best player in theory was going to be? I don't, I don't, I mean, I guess the year after Sweetney left, but you still had Gerald Riley, um, who, you know, if you put him on this year's team, you'd probably say he might have a chance to be all big East. That's, that's a great, that's a great way to sort of look, or that that's kind of like an easy way to simplify like where Georgetown is and why they're being, you know, slotted in, in some predictions that like, you know, 10th or 11th in an 11 team league is when you go, it's like, who's, who's their guy, who's the man. And I think most people want it to be Pickett, but you know. So when I when when I answered the survey, um, I chose Wahab because I think I think we've seen everything we're going to see out of Pickett, uh, to be honest. And while he may end up leading the team in scoring or or whatever, and might fill up the box score the most just based on the product of of minutes and and shot attempts and, and whatnot. I think Wahab is going to be the kid that emerges this season um, to have specifically the most NBA eyeballs on him. I was really impressed with his play last year and, you know, he's got an NBA body. And I think if, you know, another off season working with Ewing on post moves, I think he's going to be primed for a a breakout season in a big East that is is sort of devoid of impressive centers. Uh, So I think Wahab is going to do a lot of work this year. If he's their best player, well, I guess it's star. If he, yeah, yeah if he the, ends the up question, becoming, the question is not the question is not yeah. best player. It's right, star. Right. So for me, it's almost like breakout performer, and to me, that's more Wahab than Pickett because I, I think we we know what we're going to get out of Pickett at this point. How did how did Jamari Sibley end up on this list? I'll be honest, I don't <laughs> quite know. I think I think I, I'm trying to remember so. So Eamon has done a few of these surveys already for different teams, different programs. So some of the questions were sort of, you know, uh, you know, already part of the formula. I don't remember if this one I came up with, because I think I'm looking at the list going, okay, I think I would have said Blair, Pickett, Wahab, and then somebody else. And so I guess maybe he picked somebody else. Was I mean, I, yeah. I'll be honest, I'll be honest I, think like, it... I have not rated the freshman. But I don't even know who else I would pick. I don't think we're missing anybody coming back, are we? I don't think so. No. Um, well, they added two decent grad transfers. But, yeah, it's yeah. anyone's guess. And Sibley is the highest rated freshman coming in. So, you you know, you, you basically include the three starters that are returning. The, you know, the three players that actually played games, basically, because Ego F.A. barely played. You know, Wilson didn't play at all. I think those are your five scholarship returners. And then you throw in the best freshman. It makes sense. I just was kind of just trying trying to be try, trying to be funny. No, I think I think Don Carey would would be a a decent sleeper option here. Yeah. Um, or even Jalen Harris. I mean, I think, I think you know, those guys are going to get a lot of minutes, and um, we'll have an opportunity to impress. 
Yeah, and I guess if, to your point, because it says star, you know, while Harris could come in and be the starting point guard or whatever, you know, star mm-hmm. doesn't seem like that's the thing. But, like, look, if a freshman comes in and, you know, becomes the all-freshman team type guy, then that's a whole, you know, it gets more more attention, more more thought. So probably works from that perspective. Um, all right, let me jump here. The next question, I think we, we can hold this maybe for a topic we want to get into later about where we think of, if college basketball is going to happen this year. I think we can tie that into something else a little bit later. Yeah. So I guess this is where the – uh, where, where some of the the, the, the doom uh, the doomy uh, gloomy look comes in um, on a scale of one to five, how satisfied are you with the state of Georgetown's basketball? The state of Georgetown basketball. One not very, not optimistic at all. Five very optimistic. I answered this with a three, um, which I guess signify some sort of middle ground. I, I think the, the reason why I wasn't a, a one uh, is because of the recent recruiting news. Obviously, I think the staff's doing a decent job out there. Um, I'm not very optimistic for their performance this upcoming season, uh, but I think the state of, the, of Georgetown basketball, as this question is written, um, is more middle ground. I think also what helps is the fact that I have no expectations heading into the season. So um, that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah, I think if this had come out three weeks ago and they hadn't landed Don Carey for two years, they hadn't just gotten two top 150 kids. And I'm sure every program thinks that their kids are underrated. And I know that both of the players Georgetown just got commits from, everyone feels they're underrated. So you know, you kind of have to think about that when you're getting pumped up. But, um, you know, it did seem like if you go back to the end of November, you know, Georgetown, If I think if you asked us that then, you know, with the roster they had, you know, they just beaten Texas, took Duke, you know, close. Um, Terrence Williams was coming in. I think it would have been like, is it a four or five, right? And in a couple months, it goes down to, oh, wow, is it is it is it a two or a three? And so I think it's probably got to be a three because you saw that Ewing and the staff had the ability to get to where they were last November. And obviously, and we could talk about this later because it's on here, a complete nosedive happened, but the team played hard. They didn't win as many games as people wanted, but they are rebuilding again. So I think it's probably got to be a three. Okay. Good, good stuff. Uh, the fact I, um it's interesting that both, like I, I always picture Andrew as the positive half of the casual Hoya podcast view, or Bobby the negative. That you both landed on a three is interesting uh, to me. But like Bobby said, maybe if this we had this conversation a month ago. Uh, well, you know, I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see how anyone can answer a five unless you're sort of all in on the class of twenty one so far. And while there has been momentum in in that class, it's not like there's some monster five-star coming in that is going to turn the program around. I mean, <laughs> or, Billingsley, or any local kids. Right. So <laughs> strides are being made. Sure. But I, I, I can't see how anyone answers the five. You can be somewhat optimistic with a four, which is fine. I think you're going to get as a result of the survey, a lot of people clicking number three um, based on a expectation sort of analysis as to what this season should bring. 
Gotcha. By the way, I'm horrible at uh, selling this, so let me back up for a quick second. The survey, you can go do it on The Athletic. If you go to The Athletic and click on the um, – look for the Georgetown tab. You can also, you know, if you look at what Casual uh, tweeted out, uh, a link to this podcast episode, you'll see he quote tweeted uh, Eamon's tweet for the link. You can go there. The, the, the survey will be open for a few days, and then I think sometime next week we'll close it and start putting out the results. I believe for the results you will need to to subscribe to The Athletic, but look, it's worth it because, uh, you know, I need a paycheck. That's why it's worth it. But, no, it's good stuff. Uh, our college basketball team is really good, but we'll get to that actually in a bit in, 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 as part of this conversation about our coverage of Georgetown and what, what, what should we be doing. Uh, in a second. So now to go back to the survey. So you, Andrew just explained why the he thought the threes made sense. Um, you know, I think depending on how people, if people are on the more negative side, it could come down to this next question, which is essentially, how would you rate the Patrick Ewing coaching era? Obviously, three years in, no, no NCAA tournaments. So if you view it from that prism, you may view it differently. Of course, Patrick Ewing is Patrick Ewing. So. Um, people may just say I'm all in regardless. So same scale, one to five, one negative, five very positive. Where are you guys on the Patrick Ewing coaching era? Um, I also answered this with a three, uh, which might be viewed as a as somewhat of a cop-out. Um, but I'm certainly not very negatively, as number uh, one would indicate. I'm not really at a two because I do think that he's doing the best with, with what he can. I think obviously he, if you're looking at a four or five, I think that gets dinged because of the, the defections uh, and really what amounts to, you know, no, no NCAA tournament appearances and really nothing much. But <laughs> I like the style of play. It seems to be attracting new recruits. He's made some good strides on the recruiting uh, side of things. So, you know, I, I think later on in the survey, there was some sort of question as to when he needs to be reevaluated. And that's actually the next one, so we won't go there yet. Um, but I think we need to see what this class of 2021 actually does on the floor because it's really his first class of, of all his guys. I mean, you know, Akinjo initially was a UConn kid. McClung, um, he had committed to Rutgers. I mean, I, I'm just saying, like, these, these are, are, are his, his kids. Hopefully he's learned from previous mistakes, and um, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Tiger just bogeyed his fifth hole, so he's now minus one for the tournament. Um, good. Important. Uh, that, that's the most important update we'll get on this podcast for sure. Uh, <laughs> Robert, where, where are you at with the Patrick Ewing coaching round? The, so these two questions are kind of like, you know, with the election coming up, you know, there's, there's things like, well, you know, you're not going to flip the Senate if you know if you don't win the presidency right like 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 you can't win a certain like if, you know if biden doesn't win a certain state it's unlikely that state's going to turn blue for the senate you know like it's like the numbers don't work so the, these two questions i feel like you can't really separate much right like if you put a three for one you know the furthest you can go is two i actually wrote in my notes two and a half for this um for me you know andrew did mention style of play and I feel like that's just such fo- that just solely focused on they don't play the Princeton anymore. And I'm not saying that for Andrew. I'm saying in general, that's kind of what everyone was just like, oh, my God, let's not play the Princeton. Well, they don't play the Princeton, but they also don't play defense. And they've had three years and I haven't seen I just haven't seen anything different. 
it's that's a little surprising given that their coach is probably the greatest defensive player of all time in college basketball. Um, you know, there's no Big East tournament wins. Um, you know, they went to the one NIT. Um, you know, I don't want to cost anyone a job, but like, I think this probably would have been the natural year if there's no pandemic to maybe, maybe switch up your staff a little bit. And I'm not saying who that should be because I don't know. But generally when teams struggle like this, that's kind of what happens, right? So when you're talking about the coaching era, like, you know, I don't know. And it did seem, and I don't know why Kinjo left. I know a lot of people have opinions. It did seem like, you know, there was this emphasis of like, look, Omir sat out a year. Omir's going to be the guy We're running everything through Omir when you had both McClung and Akinjo. And my guess is Akinjo pieced out on that. I could be wrong. I could be right. Um, so it just seems like, and you know, he's never coached before. He's never been a head coach. He's never run a college program. Um, but for me, you know, after three years, a little disappointed that some things kind of haven't, haven't changed a little bit. So wait, what was your actual answer? Two and a half. Got it. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to our, uh, uh, engineering department and make that an option. I, th- I think two is a little, is, is harsh, but uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's why, again, I don't think you're going to get fours because I, I don't see how you can justify a four. I certainly don't think you're going to get a five. Uh, so I just think the answers to these last two, you're just going to get a lot of threes, just because it's middle ground. It might be considered a kind of a cop-out answer, but I really think that that's more accurate as far as where we are with uh, Georgetown basketball and Ewing as of right now. Yeah, and like I said, the, the, the questions are completely linked. Like, you're not going to be like, uh, I feel the state of the program is a four. How do you feel about Ewing? Uh, two. Well, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, Well, I would say, I mean, again, right? I'm, the, uh, I'm the neutral observer here. I would say you could potentially parse it out in the sense of state of Georgetown basketball is beyond just the, the coach. There is a lot of other factors, which I think connects with this next question we'll get to. Yeah. Because, you know, there are, you know, there is an athletic department, there is an athletic director, there are facilities, there, you know, all those other things that are beyond just the coach. But yeah, you, in general, your point is well taken. It is pretty hard to separate Patrick Ewing from the program itself. Uh, it's but let's, let's, go to the, let's go to the next question, because I think it's perhaps more interesting. Yeah, this next question, I, I have no idea what you guys are going to say. I thought you were so going to say next... Tigers up again. <laughs> so, so the next question is this. How long do you give Ewing if the Hoyas remain outside the NCAA tournament? And this essentially assumes there's, there'll be some kind of college basketball uh, season this year. Uh, four answers. Make a change after this season, again, assuming they're, they don't, don't make the tournament. Reassess in 2022. I want Ewing here forever. They will never fire a legend, so my take doesn't matter. For spoilers, this was one of my questions. It was so, written. Um, so I thought this was kind of interesting, but I, I approached the answer to this question assuming that they're not going to make the NCAA tournament because, again, I have no expectations for the season. So if we go down answer by answer, um, since I'm assuming they're not going to make the tournament, all I'm looking for this season is some sort of improvement uh, on both sides of the ball, whether it be offensive schemes, especially defensive schemes, that sort of thing. If they win games, I mean, obviously I hope they win games, but I hope they're, they're more competitive than people expect them to be, and maybe they surprise. But given that, I, I certainly didn't choose make change after this season um, because I don't think anyone – that doesn't really make sense. Um, 
Reassess in 2022, I believe, is the option I chose because it will give Ewing this year to work on this current crop and then the following season with this class of 2021. If there's no improvement after that season, um, then I think you need to start looking at making a change. I don't want him here forever because that's really not realistic. Um, but I also agree that they will never fire a legend, so my take doesn't really matter. Um, I kind of thought that was also true with JT3, so I, I can't, but it's different with Ewing. Um, I think it's going to have to take some sort of St. John's, Chris Mullen kind of situation where Ewing steps down. I, I have a hard time believing they will ever fire him. So really, I, I think there are two possible answers here. The reassess in 2020, in 2022, and they will never fire a legend, so my take doesn't matter. Uh, but ultimately, I chose the, 2000, uh, the 2022 option because um, I think that's when the evaluation has to be done. Robert? Um, uh, yeah, it's hard to disagree with that, although it would be more interesting if I did. So basically, so Georgetown missed a tournament in the last two years of JT3. There wasn't a tournament this year, but they missed it, right? We can all agree on that. So now you're up to five years. And I think that when Ewing took the job, uh, I think Ben was in agreement with this, with me, with pretty much everybody, that he's got to make the tournament by his third year. And what that meant was, you know, I don't think that meant like if he doesn't make it, he's going to get fired. But like, that's what you sort of like, okay, look at the roster, look at everything. He's got three years. And I feel like there was a reset button hit. And it's not like if they build this year, okay, they've got, you know, two grad transfers that'll leave. You're, you know, you're losing Pickett and Blair. Um, You know, they don't have a junior class. Carrie now is part of that junior class. But, you know, so... I think it's another three years from now, I think. So they're not making the tournament this year if there is a season. The next year would be a big ask. I mean, that's putting a lot on this year's freshmen plus the class of 2021 that's coming in. But basically, by the end of not this season, but the next season, if they don't look like they're kind of becoming a thing or they're, you know, rounding out or that's where I think you have to be like, wow. And then all of a sudden, as a program, Georgetown – missing seven straight tournaments going into an eighth. I mean, at some point, something you don't build the Thompson center to not compete. And I'm not even saying like make the sweet 16, right? We're talking about make the tournament, right? This isn't like, Oh, you know, they got to win a big East title or, you know, they got to get to the, you know, to like the second weekend we're talking about just making the tournament. And so all of a sudden, you know, the, the years start to add up. You're at five you're probably going to get to seven without a whole lot of, you know, it's not, it's not hard to draw that path. So I think if you go, if you go eight years without making the tournament, I think that's where it's like, and that's where you might get the St. John's Mullen situation where it's just like, Hey, Um, but it does seem, and I never covered St. John's all the time, but you saw them come through. Ewing seems far more engaged than Chris Mullen ever was. I mean, he looked bored as hell to be at the Verizon center sometimes. Right. And, I don't see that from Ewing, but as far as the results, like at some point you have to make tournament. So I would say reassess 2022 and also they're probably not going to ever get rid of them. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you guys make good points. You know, it, it is worth noting, you know, you mentioned, Bobby, this is, you know, it's, it's currently a five-year run with no tournament. If we believe no, they won't make it this year, that's six. Mm-hmm. That's by far, five is already the most they've gone in a row yeah. without making the tournament since they started making it in the 70s under uh, yeah. John Thompson Jr. You know, even during the Craig Eschrick era, which wasn't great, he only made the tournament one time in, what, six years. But – you know, in those in those times, you know, he when they made the tournament uh, in t- 2001 with a 25 win team, the next two years were 19 and 11 and 19 and 15. Uh, and well, then you had you had you had the famous year where they he felt they got snubbed and he he rejected the NIT, which you can't even do anymore. Um, and then they followed up with a trip to the NIT final, which are far different campaigns than what we've seen recently. Right, and, that, and that's sort of what I'm saying. Like, I think only because, and this is why, even though I just said I'll be the neutral observer, like, to me, the fourth answer here that it might take doesn't really matter kind of feels like the, the, the answer for me because if he, was a, if he was somebody else, I don't think you guys would be answering these the same way. It is the point of he is Patrick Ewing, and regardless of what optimism exists, the results are what they are. Four years, if we're, again, saying they don't make the tournament this year, four years in a row – that it regardless of why or what's up to come that's a pretty tough pill to swallow for a program that obviously has, has been at the heights of georgetown's been so um you know it just feels like he's going to get the he's going to get the run until probably he doesn't want it so would be my guess yeah i was just going to say that you know i i can't imagine that they go another two years without making the, missing the tournament that um, he's going to want to come back. So um, I think 2022 is going to be that assessment year. Gotcha. Um, all right, let me go back to the survey. I'm, I'm going to skip the next two questions because I just feel like uh, we've talked about this a lot since I've been on. One of them is what, with the roster exodus, do you put more of that on the coaching staff or is that just how things go? And then one was about half the prize where you and McClung left. Clearly, we've talked about him a ton, but obviously, you know, go 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 respond to yourself on the survey. This next one, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but you know, I did want to get this in the survey, and that is, do you want a Georgetown Maryland annual series? Options are 100%. Sounds good. Take it or leave it. No longer care. Um, you know, I think in this time where you know we're seeing colleges scramble for schedules, you know, who knows where we're going to be with the, with the college basketball schedule if they do put forth one and not just cancel a season, but put forth. It does feel like this is where somebody should locally say, hey, we need to have as many local games as possible just for safety reasons. So why wouldn't we do this? And it, maybe it isn't even Maryland's Georgetown GW or whatever, but Maryland's the obvious one. And so I, it just sort of made me think again, like, okay, where are we at with this thing? I kind of know where I'm at, but curious what you guys are, where you guys are. Can I answer uh, first? Yes, you can. I think that they should play, but only in Orlando. Because that's the last time they played in Georgetown 1, and they beat them like – they just beat the brakes off of them. It was like 75-49 or something just ridiculous. Um, the two local games weren't as well attended as I would have thought, and Georgetown lost some pretty heartbreakers. So maybe that's just me talking. I'm kind of in, eh. Um, I put 100% for this one. There you um, go. Because I think it's important for a lot of the reasons that Ben mentioned to start 
generating these local rivalries or bringing them back, um, there's really no reason that we shouldn't play Maryland every year. There's really no reason we shouldn't play Syracuse every year. Um, you know, as much as I love playing teams from the MEAC or whatever, um, a Georgetown Maryland series is there, there's just no downside. Um, it'd be great for the fan bases of both. The games in Maryland, while the games at Georgetown might have been poorly attended, I I do recall the one at Maryland at least looking kind of cool. Um, you know, with those fans kind of get into it with their uh, what is it? Ben? They do like the flash mobs and whatever it is. They, I mean, it looks it looks it looks good from a television perspective, and obviously it's both of those teams do better. The Georgetown home game will be better well attended in theory, and I just think that there's really no reason not to have us play the Terps every year. Yeah, like I said, I really do wonder. I, I'll be curious to see how college basketball schedules unfold. We've obviously seen college football schedules have to, have had to scramble to a degree. Um, trying to figure out what, what, what to do. And, and with college basketball, you know, it's even more, game, you know, it's, you know, 20 odd games in the regular season beyond the tournament. Again, I know we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit later, but in terms of the non-conference stuff, it just seems like when you have an opportunity as, as an, as an urban team typically are going to, to be able to play local, this is makes is such the year to do it. And for Georgetown and Maryland, it just seems like the ultimate no brainer. Like obviously it takes two to tango and Maryland is, you know, they, they've got a challenging schedule themselves every year with the Big Ten and whatever else they do with these any kind of tournament stuff. So maybe they don't want to, you know, have a Georgetown every year. But it just feels like if it's going to happen, it should happen this year. There's almost no reason to not do it, assuming that everybody has to realistically scrap the, like the Georgetown tournament going out to California. Has that already been scrapped yet or no? No. Right. I mean, there's no way that's happening, right? Right. So, like, scrap that and just play Maryland. I'm sure Maryland has some comparable situations. That that would be a no-brainer to me, uh, at least in terms of that. Um, all right. Some more some some nostalgia here. Who is your favorite Hoya of all time? I I came up with Patrick Ewing, Allen Iverson, Alonzo Mourning, and then the fourth was, you know, could have gone down a lot of different routes if you want to go old school and pick a John Duran. Uh, you want to go. Uh, Jeff Green, Otto Porter, I, you know, I, for somebody who's a newer fan, maybe it's Mac McClung, I don't know, but a lot of different options. Oh, my maybe God. Well, wow, I'm just saying. If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're a Georgetown student for the last couple of years, you could easily be Mac McClung, no? So, anyway, I'll let you, I'll let you, you two old guys pick. Who's your favorite Hoya of all time? Um, I mean, I, go ahead, Bobby. I was going to say, I mean, obviously, you know, just like you said, it depends on – your formative years and you know um mine actually and like the reason i wore tan in high school was joey brown um that's kind of when i got into it um like really really into it but probably you know once iverson hits and if, if you're of a certain age and i was i was in high school then you know it's iverson but i was i'm too young to have known patrick ewing you know on the hoyas that's only like a Knicks thing for me um you know, and a lot, I feel like for big men, I feel like for a lot of fans, you know, most fans aren't, aren't large people. And, you know, I think you're, it's, it's, it's easy to be drawn to a guy that's, you know, five ten to six feet, however, like whichever pair of shoes he's wearing that day that can do the kind of things that he can do. Right. Rather than like, you know, falling in love with Alonzo Mourning's post moves. So I think, it, I think it's gotta be AI if you're ever a certain age, but yeah, if you're a lot younger than us and most people are now, that's a good question. It's probably Jeff Green, maybe Otto Porter. 
I don't know. My answer is is Iverson, and it's simple. I mean, I went to school with him. I mean, when I was at Georgetown, my freshman year was his sophomore year, so he was the um, that Hoya squad um, really started everything for me to begin with. And Iverson, even to this day, is um, is more of a magnet, I think, than any of these other guys. Um, I do think that Otto and Jeff would get a lot of votes just because they are more recent. Um, and you're going to get a lot of recency bias perhaps with, with Otto. I think honestly, a lot of people liked Hibbert um, just because he was kind of, he obviously, I mean, I guess he wasn't as good as Jeff, but he was kind of, I don't know, more happy go lucky, almost more personable kind of than Jeff. So I think he got a lot of fans that way. Um, who else would get votes here? It's a good question. I mean, you got Reggie Williams, you know, if you want to go there, you got Michael Graham yeah. to some degree for the older set. Like I said, John Duran and uh, Craig Shelton from there. I mean, I, I, in trying to think of the fourth person, I was trying to think of somebody from the quote unquote modern era to throw in. Mm-hmm. And Otto was mm-hmm. the only one I could think of, like sort of from this last decade. I mean, you know, I don't know. Cause somebody saying Jesse Govan and Marcus Derrickson, I, mean, I wouldn't think so, but you know, what do I know? <laughs> Well, they have right. like a lot, a lot of like really solid players, right? Guys that, and you know, the names on this list, obviously, they aren't just college greats, right? They're NBA Hall of Famers. But you know, if you're of a certain age, and like when I had season tickets, you know, people loved watching Freeman and Wright and Clark and Hollis. Oh, sure, right. Okay. And DSR. So I mean, like, there's like there's so many guys that had great, you know, Starks. Um, I'm probably leaving out people, but there there's so many. There's so many really good college players that ended up making like an all Big East team at some point or all Big East tournament team. It's just that they have lost that star. And most of the Georgetown NBA guys seemed like, well, not most, but a lot. They weren't just stars in college. They were stars in the pros. And that's kind of what they've been missing. So I think that's kind of what we gravitate towards when we think like, who's your favorite Hoya, right? Yeah, yeah. For this one, for, for this one, I'd be interested to see what the answers are for other um yeah you know i mean it's going to be so many people are going to put in at iverson ewing or, or morning and, and and whatever but i don't think you have the option unless i'm wrong ben if you if you hit other can you type in who the other would be it looks, uh, it looks to me as, as i'm on the survey now is if i if i hit other it just moves me on to the next it doesn't say like what your answer would be it doesn't give you the option to type it in I so, think you're correct, so that that may be a uh, uh, an unfortunate uh, flaw <laughs> in the system. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, in the comment section, people can uh, right. respond. To, you know, at least just anecdotally, if you know. So um, can do that. Yeah, I would maybe have uh, let people write write in some things. Um, yeah, and, and by the way, like like Joey Brown was somebody that I, I also gravitated towards. Charles Smith. Um, with somebody uh, I enjoyed as well. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a when you sort of caught up with, uh, you know, sort of got into things. Um, I'll skip the next two since you guys have been doing the sadness and the madness bracket. Effectively, what are your, what's your favorite Georgetown memory and which Hoya's loss haunts you the most? I'll even skip the next one. What's your favorite thing about Georgetown basketball? Uh, but get to this. What, what's the one thing you would change about Georgetown basketball? If some of this is repetitive based on what we've been saying, cool and, and obviously we've talked about this on some level but for this survey specifically Bobby what's the one thing about Georgetown basketball that you would change 
Man. I mean, I feel like you have to limit it to, uh, you know, like reasonable things. I think the first thing, if you could just, you know, wave a magic wand, it would be on campus arena, right? Well, that's kind of a throwaway answer because there's just so many roadblocks to get that done. Correct. Yeah, um, the, the, the arena was a topic I wanted to ask, but ultimately I just like, you know, what's to what end? I don't see what the, sure. Do you want a different arena? Yes. Well, what does that even mean? Because we've talked about this before. We can't have it on campus. And I don't even know where else it would go. And also, like, being realistic with the world right now, this is not exactly a moment in time to be thinking, how are we going to build an arena? Uh, so I was just like, you know what, well, let's just punt that. But, yeah, to me, that would be sort of the perfect one of the, uh, the, the on campus or at least somewhere in town, something uh, more conducive to the, to the current, you know, scope of where Georgetown is, you know, eight to 12,000, something like that. Yeah. So, so outside of that, which I think would, I would think would fix a lot of problems. Of course, I thought the Thompson center might fix a lot of problems too. Um, hasn't, I guess it's just all about winning. Um, you know, probably just more engagement, more transparency. And I think that they have gotten better recently, but you know, I think somebody post or someone pointed out when St. John's just got a recruit and the coaches can't officially comment on stuff until they sign their letter of intent, you know, but just stuff like that. So Mike Anderson put some tweet out that was in reference to it, but it wasn't directly. I don't even know the kid's name that committed. But, you know, if someone's running Patrick Ewing's account and it sort of does that. And Patrick Ewing's been tweeting stuff. They've been making a lot of moves on, um, you know, social reform and social justice recently, which I think has been good. But just sort of, you know, like I get emails from other colleges about when they when the players do sign letter of intents and they put out these big things and. I guess just just sort of more 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 openness I w- I would say and um I'd probably have to dig deeper to figure out what exactly I want that to totally mean but along those lines I think probably Ben understands what I'm talking about uh, I as far as something I'd like to change I'd like to stop fucking losing all the time uh, <laughs> but, but I think my, my answer uh, was the on-campus arena because that seems to be the most obvious. I, I you know, you watch these games they play at at um, at Cap One, and it's just such a drain on. There's just no energy. It's like I don't even want to be watching this other than the Kenty on the court, um, which I think was my answer to something else that might have been my favorite thing about Georgetown basketball. Um, but you know, it's just it, 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 if you have an energetic fan base who goes to home games and jumps around and it just feeds, it just feeds everything else. It feeds the players. I have to think that there's, that there are probably a few outcomes that could have been changed around just if we had a reasonable um, home court advantage. And we, I still think we're at a disadvantage there. So I think the on-campus arena was my number one thing. If we could uh, change something though, I agree that it's probably not a reality. Um, so I don't know. I guess it's it's. Oh, I guess it, at the end of the day, it comes down to just getting more impactful recruits and, and winning games. Well, to that point, then about the recruits, I, I I would wonder. And again, this is something that I think about all the time because it directly affects what I do if I'm trying to cover this team. But I think it's to the point of getting recruits, and that is, 
eliminating the practice of freshmen not talking first semester. If you want a one and done kid, that kid is not showing up to a place he can't talk to for the first four months he's there. I mean, because mm-hmm. for those guys who are really thinking about going to the pros after one year, there's a lot of brand building going on, even if they don't view it that way. So I just didn't feel Bob, like Bobby, really- didn't, you, didn't, Bobby, didn't you ask Wright and Freeman about that? Yeah. What they, and what they say? Freeman, you know, he was just like, hey, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, you know, a soft-spoken guy. It didn't affect me. Chris Wright was like, well, that sucked. You know, he was like, you know, we're coming in. We're McDonald's All-Americans. We're five stars. And, you know, we can't, we can't talk. And these guys have been covered their whole life. Like the whole time, you know, the WCAC gets covered. Even back then, maybe not as many blogs, but the Post is always there talking to Freeman and Wright, right? When St. John's played DeMatha and stuff like that. So, you know. Is that going to be the reason a kid doesn't come? No, but it's not helping. It's not a positive. It's just not. Um, yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. I mean, you guys would know more about that because you were actually, you know, attending media avails and whatnot. But um, in this social media era, when kids want to build their their brands, it certainly makes it difficult when they're taken away or, or hidden from a camera. So. Um, and I don't know whether that was that. I guess it was a Thompson era thing that has just been a holdover. It, I, I just don't see why that can't be changed. Uh, it would seem very easy to have um, at least a first semester freshman be permitted to appear in front of the cameras, so long as perhaps an SID is there as well, um, you know, just to perhaps mitigate any damage that. that might come from it, but I just don't see why that's such a big deal. People understand that they're kids. People understand that they're kids. I mean, it's just not. It's just and not, also, at, at this point of, in Georgetown's uh, status, like it's not like there's this like onslaught of kids. If they got the number one recruit in the country, right? Okay, I still don't even know how many more people would be showing up. Like the local TV stations, sure, but like I don't think you know what. Like I, I don't think it's all of a sudden going to be you know, the Beatles in there. If you get, if you get Patrick Ewing, the, you know, the player in 2021, I mean, maybe that is a massive thing, but you know, you can still control how often he talks. We're just saying, let him talk at some point. I mean, let's say, let's say hypothetically you, you get Ryan Matumbo to commit, right? They're not, you're not going to allow him to answer questions as, as a freshman about, what could be interesting things about his decision and, and what he does off the court with his father and how his father's impact is. I mean, you're just going to hide him for a semester. I, I don't see that. I don't see how that helps the program. Right. And just to be clear, while regardless of my own view as, as a media member, I'm just simply talking about it strictly from the standpoint of the program. I mean, if you, if you, it, a lot of these guys are just not going to go to a place where they can't talk, even if that's not the deciding factor that somehow they're going to be going, wait, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So why, right. why why put that barrier up in in a point in time when you know that's just this is not 1980 anymore. These kids all talk. They all have social media. Um, you know, like if, if the fact that a kid could talk on Twitter but couldn't talk to the media would seemingly make no sense. Right. Um, all right. Two two questions. I'll sort of like ask them together because they sort of connect. Um, this is basically you guys is helping me figure out what to do. Uh, one one is what's a story you'd like to read about, and one is Complete this sen- sentence. My biggest request for coverage of Georgetown from the Athletic is blank. Uh, 
like I said, they're both effectively connected together. One, you know, what do you, you know, what, what's interesting about this thing, team that nobody's talking about, and what does the world want more from us? Um, so, so I, I took this. As, I didn't really know how to differentiate my answers to, to these two. So I, I, I think for the second one, I put C above. And my answer to the the first one, um, I, I guess I, I'm kind of sick of reading about Ewing, Thompson, blah, 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 old, old Georgetown stuff. You know, I, I'd like to just see more about the program itself now, like without – always like looking at the past and looking at it just seems like we can't it's, and it's self-inflicted we knew that when Ewing was hired that there'd always be you know a look back at the the tradition of Georgetown and holding on to that Thompson era and the glory days and blah 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 but every story it seems seems to be about that unless of course it's some disaster like the kids leaving the program but it just seems to me like there needs to be a more focus on Georgetown now and moving forward without always looking to the connection to the past, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Robert? That's a pretty good answer, although um, what I'm about to say is about – it's kind of about the past. So I think a cool athletic story would be – and you guys have the resources. Ben particularly seems to know everybody – when Ewing came in, one of his, you know, as a first-time head coach on any level, one of the things that he leaned on a lot in, it seems like every year, these, you know, particularly at Georgetown, you know, there's always like a couple talking points and they just keep being repeated all the time. And one of the talking points for him as being a head coach for the first time was, I have all these resources. I can call Pat Riley. I can call Thibodeau. I can call the Van Gundys. I can get all this, all this help all these pointers, all this advice. And my question is like, you know, reaching out to some of those coaches, right? The guys I just named and just being like, you know, have you been watching Georgetown from afar? You know, have you tried to give Patrick any help? And this is all particularly defense because all the guys I just named, you know, after the, you know, the Showtime Lakers, Pat Riley was with the Knicks and it was, you know, it was that style of the NBA people didn't necessarily like defensively then that's when you think of Thibodeau, you think of the Van Gundys. And because Georgetown's been particularly poor by every metric defensively since he's been there, you know, has he reached out to them? Like, you know, is, you know, what's going on there? I, me, I would be interested in that. And I, cause like I said, it was said a lot and it kind of went away. We haven't heard that much recently, but has that been a resource he's been using? And what do those guys think? I mean, I don't expect Van Gundy to say something terrible, right? And they, yeah, you know, I don't know. They just they just, they just can't guard, you know? So I get that you're not going to get, you know, um, you know, cutting comments or whatever, you know, but I think it would be interesting to know, like, have those resources been used? Like, you know, what is going on? To me, that's like the biggest thing. I know everyone left this past season. And I think because... For me, the last two years of JT3, they went from always being a pretty solid defensive team to all of a sudden his teams couldn't guard either. So you're kind of going on five years. The Georgetown, you know, didn't make the tournament, but they just can't defend at all. And if, you know, if, if someone woke up from a coma in the 90s and you're like, hey, what's going on in college basketball? You're like, oh, Georgetown can't defend. They'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that's all they can do. So... Sorry for uh, that. 
I, I like it. I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the idea. We will. Uh, well, I, also, I, I think big picture. Well, what Bobby's sort of getting at is that Georgetown has a lot of resources um, as a program that I that perhaps it's not deploying properly. You know, you look at as an example, uh, Ben, your buddy Jamie and Christian over at, at GW. And he seems to be making a lot of strides on the recruiting trail, specific, specifically locally. I think their entire roster is all DMV guys for, for the next season or something like that. But you wonder what he would be doing if he had all of Georgetown's resources at his disposal. You know, um, I, between the and pe- we always poo-poo the practice facility because it hasn't really brought any returns, but it's still uh, it, it's it's a jewel. You know, and and I know that the pandemic has probably hurt us in the sense that we can't get kids to to visit. Um, but it is interesting to see how seemingly effective the coaching staff has been uh, via Zoom. You know, you wonder. I haven't seen what the recruiting video is or what they do during these Zoom conferences, but I imagine that a lot of it is showing off the practice facility. Um, you know, the official visit. I know that the kids always go and they, they, they see Cap One, they see the locker rooms and all of that. I guess that part of it is taken away, but maybe that helps. Maybe there's, there is a renewed focus on what is on campus and available to the, to the potential recruits than what they see when they come on an official. Um, but anyway, that, that's speculation. I guess my point is I do think that Georgetown has a lot of resources I don't know if they're being used properly. Um, so I think that's something that I'd like to see improved. Um, I don't know, if Ben, that, that helps answer a question as to what sort of feature I'd like to see on the athletic. Um, but maybe that's something, you know? Like, like, I haven't seen anything, maybe a look back at the Thompson Center and an analysis of actually what it's being used for. I mean, it's a huge space. Like, what are they actually doing with it? Um, how is the coaching staff using it for recruiting visits? That that sort of thing, I think, would be interesting. So I I would um, I would probably like weigh in with this. Like, so you mentioned GW. You know, obviously GW is in a very different t- circumstance than, than Georgetown, not just because they've, you know, they had a, they had obviously some some significant issues a couple of years ago, which led to uh, you know a couple of coaching changes now, and they're working their way back up. But also, even at their peak under Mike Lonergan, you know, A10 school, you know, not not even in the same ballpark as Georgetown from a um, attention and, and, and legacy standpoint. So they have to do whatever they can to get any attention in these parts. So, and Jamie and Christian is somebody who I've covered at Mount St. Mary's a little bit, and I've known him a little bit. He's a very uh, engaging type of guy. He he will he will sell you a story. You know, sometimes it's a little. You know, you can tell it's a little bit of a sales job, but he's willing to sort of talk to you about the various aspects, what he's doing, what he's looking for, what the program needs, all these things. And I think the sales job is something that Georgetown has lacked for 40 years. They never had to worry about this too much because they were the beast of the East, big man, you, whatever it was. Everybody understood what it meant to be, uh, you know, what Georgetown was was, was selling. It's sort of like, I've, I've used this analogy before here for sure, but like, you know, similar with the Patriots, under Belichick, Belichick can be the biggest uh, Scrooge there is, but the guy wins the Super Bowl every year or or, is it, or contends every year. So you have to respect it and you have to pay attention to it, even if he's giving you nothing. 
But when if the law if once at some point he retires or whatever it is or or, or if Brady leaves and they don't win as much I mean Brady did leave but they don't win as much you know then what then what happens people are going to turn quick because you 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 you've kept them out for all these years and I think for Georgetown they just never they still believe that they are the kings of college basketball they they never try to sell you on anything they don't come to us and say hey. Here's what we here, forget the media just in terms of general and maybe I'm wrong but I don't think I am. What, you know where's the where's the fun video showing Patrick Ewing on the recruiting trail? Where is the video of you know a, 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 an edited produced video showing these kids coming to coming to the program um, and and you know coming to to the Thompson Center and and getting getting a look? What's the behind the scenes stuff that that we can see? I, the answer is it doesn't really exist and. You know, from a coverage standpoint, whether you're talking about the athletic or the post or really anybody, you know, one of the challenges with covering Georgetown is, one, you have a small fan base, so there's just not nearly as many clicks to get as, say, if you're covering Maryland or, or a big, a bigger D1 program with, you know, 30,000 people on campus plus a football team. And then, two, on top of it, they just don't, you know, they don't think they have to sell themselves. And I would argue, again, forget the media, just from a fan standpoint, I would argue they do, as we discussed, five years in a row, no tournament. If the only, and that's why the only thing you can sell is Patrick Ewing, essentially. They're willing to put him out there, and that's why you get all the stories about Patrick Ewing, because that's the thing they're willing to sell. They're not willing or interested, I guess, in talking about what goes on behind the scenes, because it's been that way for 40 years. And I think that's the challenge, not just for people like me as a reporter, but I would think from the fan base, yeah, this is why you don't get other types of stories to some degree, it's hard to figure out how to do it. They don't give you much access. They don't give you information and they don't, they're not, they, they're not even open to doing it as evidenced by they don't do it themselves. If they did it themselves, then they'd be willing to do it for the rest of us. So I just think stuff like that, if they were more, if they, if they took a more realistic look at where they are as a, as a program and that this is 2020 and social media is a big deal. If they got on more board with themselves for these things, I think that would help the rest of us in, in, in some way, uh, because they would be well, who, who's, 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 who's now running the show over there? Like, if you were to put in a request for an interview, who does who does that go through? Uh, I don't even know right now. I'll be honest. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. This is a, <laughs> this is where I get into dangerous territory, and I you know I'm not in a particularly excited state right now in terms of the the, the program uh, in in the post max carry world. But I'll just say that. You know, mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing talks to a lot of national people. He obviously did a, a ton of interviews, it felt like, uh, throughout the coronavirus time, you know, particularly before he himself had, got it. And, you know, so clearly they're willing to have him talk to, you know, all kinds of different people. And he has uh, spoken to people with the athletic, but people on our sort of national side. I just think locally, the local people are the ones who show up all the time. And I don't think, and not just the athletic, but just anybody. I don't think they, they I don't think locally they pay attention to the situation. And it, again, not just the athletic, but TV stations. And I talk to all kinds of people in this town with media. And that's a, that's a constant sort of frustration is, you know, it just, it, what, why am I covering this team? There's not a ton of eyeballs locally, you know, at, at, like in the case of somebody like you, you don't live here. Most Georgetown alum don't, aren't from here. They, they go elsewhere. So like from a local perspective, yes, Georgetown exists, but why am I, what's my, what's my insight? What, what, what's my desire to cover this when I don't get any particular attention from them? They don't seem to be that interested in the local coverage. So 
I think that's just the challenge. It's not even a matter of who you would go to or any of that. It's just somebody has to decide, hey, we, we are Georgetown, but when we say that right now, that doesn't mean we are the best team in college basketball. It means we are a team that has have been struggling lately, and the only thing we can promote is our head coach. we got to figure out new ways to promote because right now there's no real reason to cover the team other than just they exist. They're a Big East team, and Patrick Ewing is Patrick Ewing. Did, did this yeah. answer kind of go into um, – or I'm sorry, this uh, – can we call it a rant? Did they, oh, yeah, this, 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 more of a therapy session probably. Did this kind of go into what um, our good friend Philly Hoy has kind of tweeted in saying that, you know, he loves the athletic, but he gets jealous over their immense coverage of other college basketball teams. He's looking for interviews, quotes, and news that he couldn't produce or find on his own. I feel like you kind of just covered that, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, again, as as Bobby is somebody who's out there covering Georgetown even, even more than I am. And, you know, again, to be clear, for me personally, like this is not my beat anymore. I'm right. on the Washington football team beat, and I help out with the Wizards, and Georgetown is sort of my side project hobby, whether anybody there recognizes it or not. I go out to Georgetown on my own dime. No, I promise you my place is not telling me to go cover Georgetown because, again, the, the eyeballs aren't there. But I did have stuff on McClung all summer because I was interested and figured stuff out and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to do more. I, not, not just me, I would love for us to do more. But, you know, one, you got to have enough people caring. And two, you know, if the only, if the only media availabilities are uh, post-game, which he doesn't bring out players after losses, and, he, and, and Patrick Ewing, is, as fun as it sort of is to cover Patrick Ewing, and his answers aren't all – uh, bad, but like, you know, he doesn't offer a ton of insight into what he's thinking or the program. And then the players, we don't get them a ton. You know, it's just hard to, what, what, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, you have to put in a lot of extra legwork on the side. I'm not saying that's not worth it. We do that for parts stories, but again, what, what's sort of the upside? Uh, as but, but, aside, but that you, said, that's why we're you, doing the survey. Uh, I mean, uh, if, if we didn't care about the program, uh, we wouldn't do the survey. We wouldn't do these things. I think we do. We want to cover them. We just have to figure out, you know, the best way to do it. I was just going to say I was impressed that you made that transition into Washington football team pretty easily. Uh, do you find yourself stumbling on the old Redskins name at all, or how how ingrained is football team in your mind right now? <laughs> oh, no, I, I do whenever I do radio interviews, probably every every uh, every interview I botch it at least once or come close to and have to catch myself happens all, mm-hmm. all the time. It's Especially, it's not. It'd be one thing if it was going, you know, the Washington Warriors or the, you know, but the fact that you're going Washington football team, it is that is completely <laughs> unnatural. It sounds like yeah. it sounds like I'm it sounds like I'm almost making fun of them or something. Um, but, yeah, uh, that, but I mean, like, and, and, I, I, and we don't need to talk about the, the football team that much. But like, I'm interested in like how's that going to work? Like, you know, the football team went for it on second and eight, but came up short. So the football team. <laughs> You know, like, how, how, like as, as a journalist, like reporting on the team, how are you? Are you going to be abbreviating? Like, what do you? What's the what's the plan there? Oh, I I I've been asking this myself. I mean, you know, <laughs> the Eagles the Eagles opened the season with a with a resounding thirty two or thirty one nothing <laughs> win over the football team. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've just been going with a lot of Washington uh, some abbreviations and headlines. We've just gone to WFT. 
But yeah, I, I'm honestly not sure because because seeing the football team, uh, you know, right. converted on fourth down just sounds wait what? Right. It sounds like what yeah. you know. It sounds like a Charlie Brown cartoon. The football team did something. Okay. Yeah, I will say I I do think the uniforms are pretty solid, with the with the numbers on the helmets. I, I guess it's growing on me, at the, the, but I, I guess it looks to me like the University of Minnesota. I, I, that's all I keep thinking. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe I need to get over that. But so all right, everyone should sign up for the athletic, fill out the survey, and they can figure out you know how they're going to cover Georgetown better if they're going to send Ben at all to his side side reporting gig, um, which I think everybody will appreciate. Uh, do we want to talk before we get off here about this? And Casual Hoya just put up a post. I assume it wasn't Andrew um, about Goodman's what? tweet what and the what's that? <laughs> what happened? What <laughs> Casual just? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think oh, it was okay. you. I'm sure it was yeah. not you. But um, just sort of going off of Goodman's tweet, Ben's good friend, Goodman. Um, you know the idea of college basketball happening in a bubble because. The word out there was after last season, there was no NCAA tournament. Like there has to be an NCAA tournament or we might see a completely different, you know, governing body over college athletics. Like apparently the NCAA just cannot afford to miss out on that TV contract for broadcasting March Madness. So college athletes in a bubble, to me, that just doesn't even, I don't even see how you possibly do that. Well, I think it's almost, it's easier in the sense that if you were, I saw, was it Willard who proposed playing the games uh, over like Thanksgiving and Christmas break when there aren't that could be many kids on campus anyway? Um, I, I, I thought that idea worked. I mean, what what is a bubble? I mean, it, it show, it, I guess we've seen with the NBA and the NHL and MLS that, that bubbles work. Um, I like I how you included the MLS there. It's nice. I mean, they've got a bubble. I know. And it, yeah. Um, so at this point, I'm okay with any solution that's going to get the season in. Yeah. So if it's going to be a bubble, if it's going to be conference games only during breaks, whatever they got to do, um, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've seen that from a, a – um, basketball works from a for a bubble from a number standpoint it's, it's you know impossible it feels like for a football team because there's too many players for a basketball team you know the nba teams are sending like i think they sent like 35 people to a bubble that's players and the whole staff college basketball wouldn't have nearly the amount of staff so you're probably looking at you know 25 people maybe give or take to to a bubble now obviously we're not talking about having one for three months because that's a different story we're talking I assume we're talking about a, a shortened amount of time. I don't know if Goodman's talking about the entire Big East uh, season or he's just talking about, you know, stretches of time. Uh, I do think it's interesting, and I, I do wonder if you could pull it off from a, a, a conference standpoint. And I guess the reality is if schools are going to be online learning, uh, online learning anyway over Zoom or whatever – then the kids don't definitively have to be on campus, right? They, they could be, you know, I don't know, if the Big East has one pod in Philadelphia or, you know, some, just, just picking someplace uh, quasi-neutral location-wise, why, well, you know, why couldn't you 
do that, right? Well, why, why couldn't you just have the kids be there as opposed to being home and simultaneously doing basketball? Obviously, <laughs> still, there's still safety concerns. There's still the fact that these are college kids, not pros, who are going to be putting themselves to some degree in harm's way and not receiving uh, financial compensation in terms of actual cash. I don't just mean the scholarship. So all that's complicated. But, you know, I think the bubble seems – potentially interesting and like i said you know in a place like the big east where for each of the schools other than maybe creighton like there's a lot of local games that you can play so if they could figure out how to play you know a handful of games in, in within driving distance and then do the bubble for the big east you could have you know potentially you could have a, something that looks like a normal college basketball season minus the tournaments you know in far-flung places uh, it doesn't seem inconceivable, but I'm definitely more on the pessimistic side that college football or basketball is happening at all this year. But I, I think the bubble has some merit if they can, uh, you know, if they, if they can figure out a good plan. I mean, if they have to do something and they have to try and they have to get, you know, quote, outside the box ideas. Yeah. Uh, you know, did, didn't Val Ackerman, Weren't you on that uh, Biggie Zoom call? It seems like years ago now, but it was probably a couple months ago where she said that if they weren't going to have kids on campus, they couldn't have games. And I believe Georgetown's doing all virtual, right, Andrew? Yeah, initially they thought they were going to have, I think it was 2,000 kids on campus um, that they shelved that. Yeah, just logistically, though, if you look at the calendar, um, I, I think you're gonna. I think you are going to see some a vaccine in some form by election day. I don't think there's any way Trump doesn't have that happen. Now, obviously, you don't. Want, maybe you don't want to be the first person to have the vaccine, blah blah, blah or the first iteration of the vaccine. But it's going to be there. Um, and if that's November, well, that's really when the college hoop season would start anyway. Um, and if you still have daily rapid tests then in theory, you should be able to uh, spot uh, what may be an asymptomatic positive test result quickly and remove that person from the team. So I, I think logistically, it's not as difficult as perhaps you're making it sound, um, given that you've only got, you know, 15 kids. Now, I think it becomes problematic if, one test positive, then how does it mean they were spreading it for, uh, you know, a large period of time before they tested or got that result? But I think if you have rapid daily testing, when I mean rapid, I mean you get the results back in, you know, an hour or so. I think you can prevent a spread of the virus, assuming there even would be a positive, pretty quickly. Well, the only thing I would push back to that, though, is when we're dealing with the professional leagues, th these tests cost a lot of money. Part of, part of this whole thing is, you know, the, the leagues are trying to figure out how to – it's not so much that the professional leagues aren't willing to spend the money, but you know, it, 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 isn't, it isn't a nothing expense. Now we're talking about this for 351 Division One men's programs, not even counting women, not even counting potentially other sports. It sounds like the D2, 3 levels are probably not even going to happen – and maybe some of the D1 programs would, would decide just to cancel because of the cost, but the cost is not going to be insignificant to have some sort of, you know, daily or steady testing. And, you know, also, you know, it becomes a point of, you know, resources, 
you know, there's still people, you know, regular people in the country can't get these rapid tests. So are we going to give them to the college kids just because they need it for college basketball? I mean, that's already one of the topics. So that's why I do think the logistics are are a bit more complicated uh, on, on a bunch of, on a bunch of fronts. And obviously it isn't just the kids, obviously, you know, looking at like Georgetown's staff, all the people who would be around the kids are all, you know, a lot of 50 and older people. Right. And obviously they're, they're the ones who are more higher risk potentially for these things. Um, so, you know, you, you gotta, you know, how do you protect them and, and, and all that stuff. So, um, and then like, even if they do some sort of a bubble, like how is that working? You know, is there an Orlando situation like the NBA has where you can legitimately put all these people up in one place? Do you have to do multiple places? Like, you know, and then of course there's the ultimate, these are 19 year olds. You're relying on them to be compliant and to not screw around, not leave their place to go, grab a pizza around the corner or, or go or go meet some some friends or whatever so uh, I definitely there's a lot of complications that that that, that have you worried and not even on top of the fact where I don't know what I I'll, I'll leave out the political thoughts about vaccines by November and, and whether that even means anything realistically for anybody I, I don't I don't know about that well what I don't know about is as much as I like doing Kente Corner like at some point we're going to need games to talk about and not games with John and Howie that happened in 2008. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> to, to go back to, to the media side of things, I mean, I mean, this is definitely, I mean, you know, fortunately, basketball and the NBA is back. And actually, you know, that bubble has looked really good, I, I, I think. I mean, the, the, the bubble has been a pretty big success so far, and the games have looked pretty good, even without fans. Baseball is a whole other kind of mess. Uh, you know, I guess there's a fair amount that's working, but obviously there's a lot that hasn't been and how that's going to go in the NFL, what we'll have to see. So I, I know we're all very still on our, all, you know, walking on eggshells with this whole thing about, we feel like any minute the rug could be pulled out from under us right now. We have games, the colleges though, man, I, I just don't know how I can figure out how this works for football or basketball anytime soon, at least basketball. If you kick the can down the road and just push everything back to the spring semester, whether the vaccine or not, maybe at least the numbers go down. I don't know. Hope for the best. But um, yeah, to me, that those two sports seem far more uncertain than the professional ones. Do you think the football impacts the basketball? Say that again. Sorry. Do you think what happens with football is going to directly, you know, impact basketball? Um, I mean, to a degree, it's just going to be, they're going to have to go through a lot of the same discussions. I mean, football has more players, but they also have far fewer programs than, than, than basketball. So I think it all connects, but like I said, it isn't just football. There is no women's side basketball. There is. So it isn't just 351 men's teams. There's also all the women's programs that we can't like, you know, it, they, they can't be dis- ignored or, 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 you know, not factor into this either. So that's just a, so many programs that you have to do. And that's why I keep thinking, like, if you can figure out a way to have your non-conference be local and then deal with your conference, it feels like that's going to work. But if you have to, if you're keeping like a non-conference where just to use Georgetown as an example, they're playing, I'm making this up at Arkansas, uh, you know, some, some random tournament somewhere else, uh, you know they're, they're bringing in teams from different parts of the country. I just think you're, I just think you're bringing the, the, the risk factor too high. Um, but if you could keep it local and have everybody sort of on the same page, it feels like that that that's at least some hope combined with like this idea of maybe some sort of conference bubble. Yeah, the the risk of what? 
I mean, look, I get it, but I over the last few months I have completely turned um, on all of the the, the, the COVID mania. Um, oh but boy. I guess we can we can we can save that for our, for a different podcast on, on perhaps a a, a different network. Um, what <laughs> yeah, anything maybe, else? Maybe with OA, <laughs> o, maybe OAN or something. Not not quite OAN. Um, but regardless, nice, nice par save for Tiger on nine. He makes the turn at minus one. Well, guys, it was great to get the band back together. We'll have to do this more often. Ben Ben has been showing up. Andrew doesn't like to return my text messages. I, I, saw, I, I apologize. I saw it late, and by the time I responded, it, I missed it. My bad. I, I just thought it would be a great opportunity to get you on a super positive podcast when they get these uh get these recruits and and the big thing hanging out there i know you're gonna you guys are gonna want to be a part of it if georgetown ends up getting a verbal commitment from the son of a hall of famer i think that's something we're all going to get together for and um if they don't get them andrew has threatened to shut down the blog which a lot of people very nicely are out there you know please don't do it so that was actually nice to hear it's over. If, if Matumbo commits anywhere else, I am pulling the plug on the block. Now, I don't know how to physically, I don't know how to do that, like with, with estimation. I don't know if I need to send them an email or how that works logistically. But shut but, up. Dude, blog ends. There's just no reason to move forward. It's, it, it, it's a, it's a huge embarrassment to, 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 to life. Have you considered have, have you considered the fact that Patrick Ewing Jr. spent two years in Bloomington before he decided to show up? Like these things happen. No, that 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 that's completely different. Ewing is the head coach of the team. Matumbo comes to games. He's very active in the Georgetown community. There's zero reason why Ryan Matumbo should not be a Georgetown Hoya. If he goes anywhere else, it's a huge slap in the face and one, frankly, that I'm just not going to deal with. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, wait, give me the. I, I, since I have to go and say, give me the quick thirty-second scenario. Uh, what what's the what's the projection for Matumbo right now? The from what I understand, rivals or whoever else sitting in their mom's basement in their underwear has projected him to. They still think he's going to Georgetown, but not a lock or whatever. And Georgia Tech's in the mix, and someone else. And it just doesn't make sense for him to go anywhere else but Georgetown. But there are rumors out there that perhaps he doesn't want to do that. He's concerned about following in his father's footsteps and blah, blah. All legitimate reasons. I'm sure you know, people will excuse it any way they want. At the end of the day, if he doesn't come to Georgetown, forget about it. We're done. That seems like a really level-headed look on things. Also... I, I, one other thing, we, we have one scholarship left, so now people are like, oh, is it going to be Matumbo? Does that mean, um, you know, we can't go after some of these other guys, uh, I mean, Muhammad, whoever. I'm not so sure Ryan Matumbo needs a scholarship. I also no. don't think that, I also don't think that scholarships are an issue for us. They always have a way of working themselves out. So I, I really don't think we just have one to work with. Um, so I, I'm not that concerned with, oh, we only have one left. What do we do with it? I think we're probably going to at least have a couple. So let, let's just move forward. Let's get Matumbo in the mix. Let's get an, another impact wing or guard in the mix. 
and let's move forward with that class of 2021 to bring back the resurgence of Georgetown basketball. So should I start looking for alternative places to host Kente Corner? <laughs> Look, we'll cross that bridge when we need to. I, I, I still think he'll, he'll, he'll be at Georgetown, so I, I don't even give it that much thought. Okay. Okay, guys. Well, another successful episode ending really, really well here. Um, you guys can find Ben at, at Ben Standing. He's at The Athletic. They're trying to get their Georgetown coverage to a certain level. The survey is going to help take the survey. He's Andrew Geiger at Casual Hoya. Until next time. Hoya Saxa.